Hey, ladies and gentlemen, what a fun interview this was. We sat down with Ben Mesrick, the best-selling author that wrote the books that eventually became the films The Social Network and 21. We talked about how he's approaching the NFT space, what he has planned, including a screenplay for the story of the NFT space over the past couple of years. Very fun interview, very informative, really enjoyed it. As usual, this interview is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at the nifty.com slash FTX on your web app or on on the mobile app with the code the nifty hope you enjoy the interview in this video we are interviewing ben mesrick the best-selling author of books that eventually became movies like 21 and the social network as usual nothing in this video is financial advice we are not financial advisors the nft space is incredibly risky so always do your own research and if you enjoy this content make sure that you hit the like button and smash the subscribe button it really helps us out with daily nft videos ben How's it going? Good. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Uh, Really excited to have you on. Uh, You are the first best-selling author to come on this show, so pretty cool for us. (laughs) Oh well, thank you very much. Yeah, I've had a a fun career in a couple of the books, though. It's been uh, it's been a great run. Yeah. So it seems like I mean the the two highlight ones were 21. Is that was that converted into bringing down the house? So bringing down the house was the book. Um, the movie was called 21. Oh, okay. There was another movie called Bringing Down the House that starred uh, Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. <laughs> okay. You didn't write that one. that one. No, it wasn't <laughs> me. I wrote the story about the MIT Blackjack team and, um, you know, they beat Vegas for millions of dollars. And it was the big 21 movie that's on Netflix right now, I think, doing well. I'm blanking on the name of the guy behind it, but he started. Kevin, uh, Kevin Spacey, that one? Or, no, no, the, actual, oh, no. <laughs> the real life person who was uh, a guy that went to MIT, uh, has created a startup called 10X or 10X yeah, or something Jeff like that. Ma. Oh, you know Jeff. Yes, Jeff. Well, Jeff so, was the real life guy that um, in the movie was played by Jim Sturgis. And okay. He was part of the MIT Blackjack team that just made a fortune beating the game of blackjack. It's really interesting at MIT, there's a lot of people that kind of, uh, I mean, essentially like hacking things. It's not surprising actually, but uh, since it's basically the leading computing uh, school in the world, I would say that uh, I had a friend there who was doing something similar with trying to hack game shows. So they hacked the prices right in order to uh, win it. But um, the 21 uh, story is is uh, an epic one. And, and so what, when did you like, when, when did that come out? So 21, the movie came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book was all the way back in 2002. So that was a, it was a big career break for me. It was my first big best-selling book. Um, and the uh, movie took five years to make. So that was one of those projects that kind of rolled around until it actually made it onto the screens. But yeah, 2007. And you had been writing for years before that. So I had actually written six novels before that that nobody read. I had written for the X-Files. Um, remember that television show? I wrote a book for them starring Mulder and Scully called Skin that had come out a while before that. But Bringing Down the House was my first best-selling book and my first nonfiction book. And that led to the other ones, which eventually led to The Social Network, which was probably my biggest project, um, which was a, that movie was 2010. So 2007, 2010 were my last two movies. That's when I first got introduced to you. Uh, I was telling you before this uh, conversation uh, or before we, we went live, uh, when I was writing about Facebook, uh, I think I got a sample copy of it or an advanced copy to write a review about it. And I mean, at that point, I was covering it so in depth that, uh, you know, r- uh, reading about it at that moment in time was it, it was great. I mean, it was uh, it's, it's the sort of uh, when you take business uh, we're, 
I'm, I was doing the journalism side of things, but when you're converting that into an actual long form dramatized, uh, you know, novella or whatever you want to call it, um, it, it was uh, it was incredible to read, and then it materialized into, frankly, uh, what, what I still a movie that's a favorite of mine, primarily uh, because of the soundtrack, the cinematography, oh, yeah. everything associated with that movie um, was was great. I mean, I don't the the storyline I was so cl like close to covering that it was that, that was less, but it was just a phenomenally produced uh, movie. What was your involvement at that point? Yeah, I was heavily involved. So basically, the story started, I got a random email at two in the morning from a Harvard senior who said, my best friend founded Facebook and no one's ever heard of him. And everyone had heard of Mark Zuckerberg, but there was no one else in that story. And I went out to a bar and in walked Eduardo, um, who, you know, was looked like a dog that had been kicked a couple of times. He sat down at the table and he started the conversation by saying, Mark Zuckerberg fucked me. <laughs> and uh, you've heard that a lot since, but that was the first time I think anybody said that. And he proceeded to tell me this crazy story. Um, I wrote a book proposal that leaked onto the internet and it exploded, leaked onto Gawker. And that day, Aaron Sorkin saw it on the internet and decided he wanted to write it. And David Fincher saw it and said he wanted to direct it. So I suddenly had a movie even before I'd written the book. Um, and then I locked myself in a hotel in Boston. I wrote the book in about 11 weeks and I was handing chapters off to Aaron Sorkin and it became one of the best movies ever. Um, Trent Reznor, the music, unbelievable guy. I was on set for the whole thing. And, and then it became this Oscar movie. And you don't expect when you're writing a book about Facebook that it's going to become an Oscar movie. Um, but it just was one of those things that happened. Just crazy explosion. Yeah. 11 weeks. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, it was a it was one of those things where I just was in a flurry of writing. Facebook was not happy I was doing it. Zuckerberg, you know, hates me. <laughs> I think they they were trying to stop me from doing it. Um, they settled with Eduardo for five billion dollars, and on the top of the settlement agreement, it says you may never speak to Ben Mesrick again because they were trying to cut the um, there. And he ended up standing like legal restraining orders to me. He broke up with his girlfriend because Eduardo was baiting my wife's best friend and didn't want you know, to have any connection to me anymore. And he moved to Singapore um, with his billions of dollars. So it was a really crazy, crazy situation. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it just became one of, the, one of those movies that you just watch again and again, so. Wait, so, so Eduardo has honored that and just doesn't speak to you uh, anymore. So Eduardo broke off all contact with me. He got his billions of dollars, which is now $9 billion after the IPO. Um, and I've never, never crossed paths with him again. Unfortunately, I, you know, he owes me at least a gift basket, don't you think? So if he's watching, you know, send me some stock. But yeah, it worked out great for Eduardo. Um, uh, you know, I, I had been close to Sean Parker while writing the story. So Sean was one of my main sources. Um, Mark just hated me, you know, would not talk to me. Um, the Winklevoss twins ended up becoming a big part of my life. Um, so what happens was I reached out to them on Facebook when I first started hearing the story. And they were nice enough to start meeting me and, and giving me documents and telling me things. Um, we would meet in the stairwells of Penn Station because they were giving me stuff no one was supposed to be seeing. And even though in that movie they were the bad guys, um, we did develop you know, a relationship which led to where I am now in the NFT world. It was all due to the Winklevi. Yeah, well, they've become icons in the crypto space. And I think initially, uh, if you were tracking them at that moment in time, it kind of was like, yeah, these guys are sort of following on, uh, you know, trying to, to 
you know, lay claim to them inventing Facebook. But, you know, at that time, everyone was making a social network. I had made my own social network at that point in time, I remember. But I think that, um, although no one knows it, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, it, they, they ended up converting that, though, into actually something legitimate here. So they now have a business. I use their product, Gemini. And uh, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're business titans in their own right now. Um, maybe even worth, you know, I, who knows what, but uh, they're definitely directionally headed towards Mark Zuckerberg. In terms of, um, we don't need to dwell on Facebook. It, 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 it strikes, uh, strikes home for me uh, only, only because um, it, it, was, it was so much of my life uh, for a few years there, and it culminated, I'd say, around the time. Uh, what year did the movie come out? So the social network came out in 2010, I believe it was. Um, and it was the Oscar movie 2011. So yeah, it was that year period where it was just insane. Yeah. That, that's right when I sold my business, which was that publication. <laughs> so I, that's why it has such a strong, but now it comes full circle and here we are in the same space together. So I'd love to yeah. dive into, uh, that aspect of things. One quick last question on that though. Do you get, um, do, do you get uh, an Oscar? Like, do you get one personally? Or <laughs> so, like, I, I, so I was at the Oscars. Aaron Sorkin won for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, uh, the author does not get that. I won a Scripter Award, which is the award you sh share with the screenwriter, um, which is the only award you get. I will say at an after party uh, at Guy Series House, it was Madonna and Ashton Kutcher's after party, which takes you way back. I was sitting on a couch and Trent Reznor walked over and handed me his Oscar and said, can you hold this for me? And so I actually had an Oscar all night Same. long and people would walk up and say, oh, good job. Congratulations. I was like, I have to pretend it was my Oscar. But no, the author of the book, sadly, does not win the award. But you get to go. Uh, you get to watch it happen. Um, but yeah, you know, you don't really have any responsibility on a movie set. Like you sit there. And, and you stand at, you sit at the bar basically with the actors um, and, and there, everyone else gets awards. <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still a pretty cool thing and that you got to interact with them. And also Guy Osiri, have you stayed in touch with him? Yeah, on and off. Uh, I know Guy, I mean, he's pretty amazing. Um, you know, the, the client list that he has is pretty cool. Well, um, and he's deep yeah. in the NFT space. Super deep. Oh yeah, so I haven't really talked to him since I launched this stuff, um, but I should, I should get back into, into touch with him. He's a very smart guy. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Pio, sorry, were you going to say something? No, I mean, the Gaio series kind of got the Midas touch here in the NFT space. So, the fact I, I would leverage that relationship yeah. for sure, Ben, you know? <laughs> Reach out to him. I then have him come on here. So, uh, in, ter <laughs> in, in terms of, uh, so, okay, so you've, you've written these two novels. What, like, take us through what the transition is leading into this sort of moment uh, culminating in you developing your own NFT. Yeah. So basically, you know, I met the Winklevi when I was writing The Social Network, The Accidental Billionaires. I stayed in touch with them. And then I wrote Bitcoin Billionaires when I found that they had risen in the Bitcoin. And that re-related to me to them as, as different people. They were suddenly not, you know, the bad guys chasing the karate kid around the gym. They were the brilliant guys in this, in this new revolution of crypto. Um, and while I was writing Bitcoin Billionaires, um, they started talking to me about NFTs. This was really early on. Um, and I started to think about it. This is really cool. Like something really interesting is going on here. And as an author, um, I think there's something I want to do in it. And I couldn't decide, do I want to write a book about NFTs? Do I want to write a movie? Um, and then I was approached by a guy named Adam Brotman um, and Bunchu, um, Joe, who's, you know, these guys know an awful lot about this world. Adam was the head of 
digital loyalty program at Starbucks, like second in command at Starbucks, who had moved mm -hmm. into the NFT space. And they said, you really should do an NFT. And what I wanted to do was create some sort of community um, around the stuff that I write. Uh, and the idea was, how do we use NFTs to get a whole bunch of people who are really interested in, in the kind of things that I write about to be able to be part of a project? Um, and that was really the think thinking around it. So what we ended up doing was creating the Ben Mesrick NFT, the Ben Mesrick project or the Ben FT. And the idea was three drops. And if you own one of each of the three drops, you get a share in a screenplay I'm writing about the NFT space. So I'm interviewing you know, all the big shots in the space. I'm gonna create a social network type movie. I'm gonna write the screenplay and I'm gonna share 50-50 in whatever we generate from the screenplay with people who own one of each. And that's the starting place. Um, and then this becomes a platform for other writers, um, for either well-known writers or new writers to be broken via an NFT community. And so we built this Discord, ended up being eight to 10,000 people um, it was really incredible. And everyone, we watched the social network together. And, and we've had some, you know, gated events where people came to one of my book parties. And I'm going to actually launch a book on the, on, the, on the Discord next, basically via the NFT. So our original drop were meme stock rockets. I wrote a book about GameStop, um, which was called The Anti-Social Network, which we're actually making that movie this summer. We're going to be shooting later this summer, which is really cool. Wow. Um, and so the original drop were little rockets. It was 6,000 pieces that we priced at 0.06 ETH and they sold out, you know, uh, uh, pretty much immediately. The second drop was free one per wallet um, to the people who own the first rocket. So there's much less of them. They're, they're minting them right now. So I think about 2,100 have minted so far. Um, and then the third drop is gonna be Vegas related, you know, bringing down the house related, which will be in about a month and a half. And then, you know, that'll be 6,000 pieces of 0.06 again. So you'll own one of each and then we'll do a screenplay token uh, the original drop, they have rarity features. So some of them can give you as much as three times the token. So some people will be earning more off the screenplay than other based on what rockets they hold. And I know a lot of people own multiple sets. Um, uh, what's really been cool is that, um, you know, of the 6,000 pieces, there's only like 150 of them even for sale. Uh, people are really not going to sell these. We ended up getting about 3,600 people, um, different wallets, which is really, really interesting and cool. Um, and holding on to them. So the goal was never, you know, sell an NFT and make some money. The goal was, how do I build a big community around what I do? And hopefully it grows and grows and grows. And other authors can use this as a platform to launch books. Um, look, the future is incredible with NFTs for authors, for artists, for musicians, um, to, to get away from the, the system where a publisher controls everything or a studio controls everything. Um, we're building it this way and, and everyone's going along for the ride. And we're going to have live events in Vegas. We're going to have more book parties, uh, movie premiere parties and things like that, um, that your little rocket will be an entrance to. Um, so that was the thinking. And, and so far, it's been amazing. I'm on the Discord every day chatting with people. Um, you know, we watched a couple of movies together. We're planning more and more events. And I'm going to speak at NYC NFT and we're going to throw a big party there. And so the goal is to just keep this going as my career develops um, and, it, and just gets bigger and bigger. Well, you should come to our event at NFT NYC. We're going to be having a party there for our community, but uh, and maybe more. But the uh, th that's that's very exciting. It's also pretty interesting, just in the sense that I think of for, for a moment there, Kickstarter was basically the creative platform that a lot of people used. You didn't see many uh, big names utilizing yeah. Kickstarter, but you did see people who became names as a result of utilizing Kickstarter, where they'd have a sellout product as well as there were 
uh, creatives that were trying to utilize it as well, and some with great success. Uh, many not, but I mean, that, that's just yeah. the way that the, the, uh, the <laughs> distribution works. Um, so uh, I, I'm sort of wondering, like, in terms of setting this template, what, who are you looking toward? We were, we were uh, discussing Jenkins, the valet, yeah. and I'm wondering, like, did they serve in any way as a template for well, you? Well, I or? did end up, I did a spaces with Neil, Neil Strauss, and I spoke to him a bit. And I, Neil and I have always known each other when he wrote the game. That was around when Bringing Down the House came out, so we knew each other as authors. I thought what they were doing was really fascinating, and I thought that was a really interesting playbook. I definitely think something like Kickstarter and Substack and even Amazon Kindle, in a way, were somewhat ideas I was looking at and thinking, well, what are the problems with those? It seemed like Kickstarter, you were just throwing money at someone, and they would try to make something, and maybe you'd get like a T-shirt or something. Yeah. Um, and the idea behind Substack was a little more interesting, is you're supporting an author or a writer or a journalist because you like what they write and you want them to keep writing it. But what the NFTs allow is that you get to own a piece of it, right? That you get to actually have an incentive and a stake in that thing succeeding, mm -hmm. which seemed really, really cool to me. Um, so yeah, I think Jenkins is doing really neat things. I really think we're at such a beginning state for this um, that, that we can sort of decide how this is gonna look going forwards. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to create something that was very authentic that I'm there, you know, that it's not like some anonymous thing um, or some Hollywood studio trying to make a movie kind of thing. I know I keep seeing people like do these things where they try to raise money to make a movie. And I'm thinking, well, they're never going to be able to make a movie. <laughs> how, how, you can raise money. That's the easy part in some ways. What you do with that money is the hard part. So what I want to do is create a work of art, a screenplay that the community is basically going to own half of, right? Um, so that if the way my career works is I write screenplays, I either sell them to a major studio and you get some money up front. And then if the movie gets made, you get more money on the other side or you go the independent route, sell it to an independent company or develop it yourself. And then it's less money up front. But if the movie works, there's more money on the backside. And so I want the community to be part of this artistic process. Um, so people are, you know, pitching ideas and things like that. My goal is, you know, to interview a lot of the big names in the space and tell some stories that connect um, a story of a young person in the NFT space who, who, who's, you know, maybe parents and family think he's ridiculous and everyone around him is telling him it's impossible. And he ends up making a fortune. Another character being an artist who probably couldn't break in the traditional way, but breaks through this community and becomes a big star. And then a scammer. I think those are the three elements that I want to tell because the scamming element is a huge part of this story as well. Mm -hmm. We've all seen uh, things that are completely ridiculous happening and that part of the story as well. And I think if you intersect those three stories, you get a really cool movie out of it. Um, and so that was the plan all along. How can this community be part of me writing this movie rather than me just writing it? Um, and so, yeah, well, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's been a blast. Do you think the three lives of those people become intertwined? Yes, and I think they do because I think that um, I've already kind of lo located a few of the characters that I wanna talk about and, and tell in this story. Um, and they really do come together. I mean, it's, look, I think it's very hard to be in a space and not have run into a scam or a rug pull at some point. Um, you know, you it, have it, to get scammed if you're operating in crypto. You need at least once <laughs> to fall for a scam. Right. Hopefully it's a tolerable amount. Right, exactly, exactly. And everyone does, and everyone feels stupid afterwards, and then, you know, you <laughs> move on from there. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that um, I love the stories of a young artist um, or a musician, you know, breaking in this brand new technology. It's just really cool. And there's, there's opportunities now that never existed when I was a beginning writer. I mean, when I was a starting writer, you wrote a manuscript, you sent it to a publisher, and that was it. And either they said yes or they said no. 
and there was no other options. And I think it's really cool that we're seeing some people really, you know, make livings and explode and sort of get out of bad circumstances um, through this, which is really, really cool. And I love the whole aspects of the community supporting itself and projects that are, 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 are supportive of each other. It's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Um, and it's, uh, it's really wild. So yeah, so that's, that's the movie I, I'm foreseeing that comes out of this. Um, so after the first drop is when the writing really starts and I have six months to produce the screenplay and then we take it out to studios. Um, but I've already got some producers who have talked about it who are interested in it. Hollywood's been really interested in NFTs as a whole. They don't really know what to do with it yet. Um, and so I've been advising a lot of people out there about different projects. And so hopefully, you know, it'll be really, it'll be, it'll be cool. Whatever happens in the next six months or so. It seems like you have a really great understanding of the NFT space. How did you get onboarded? Yeah. So I will say number number one on the technical side, I'm not, uh, any, any well-versed compared to, you know, the people who've been here for a while. I mean, I, I, you know, it took me a while just to even figure out what the heck I was even talking about. I mean, Discord to me is still confusing <laughs> as hell. I think it's it's set up to be confusing. Um, it was really uh, my my moderators on my Discord, Bunchu, this guy Drew, um, uh, Gia, who've been teaching me, um, and Adam, uh, the big picture side. Um, Raul Paul is someone who I've talked to a lot and has given me an enormous amount of, of help. Uh, uh, Keith Grossman over at Time and Timepieces. Um, he and I have gotten along really long. He's been teaching me. So I've been learning from really the smartest people in the room, I think, to a large extent. And the Winklevi. I mean, the Winklevi were the ones who really walked me into this in the first place. And this was before they they had bought into it. Um, this is right when they were sort of building Gemini. And they were already saying, you know, this is going to be game changing. This is going to be something that, you know, we'll see what happens with it, but it, it could be enormous in its biggest crypto itself. Um, because this is the real bridge between the, the real world and the digital world. And every brand is going to see that. Um, and, and eventually every brand is going to have to have a branch of their company involved in, in NFTs. Um, and so that's, that was the, the process. But really, for me, it was, it was on my Discord. Um, what's really been cool about our project is a lot of the people are brand new to this. Um, a lot of the, the, my moderators spend their time talking people through getting their first wallet and buying their first ETH and minting their first thing and not opening their DMs, right? These are the conversations <laughs> we get to have over and over again, which is really cool because a lot of them are my fans, my book fans who, you know, who haven't stepped into this world. Um, so, and then there's all these people who are OGs, people who own apes and, and, you know, have already been into this world. Um, guys like Ed Kane is one of my buddies in Boston who owns Big Night Productions in, in Boston, if any of you are from there, he's got, he's really into the ape community and that stuff and launching a DJ in that space. And so um, we get all sorts of people some people who really know what they're doing and some people who are brand new to it. And so I can learn through the mistakes that they make mm -hmm. and also seeing the things that some of the bigger players have been doing. Um, so yeah, it's still a learning process for me um, because, you know, to be frank, I'm old. <laughs> and it, this, is a, this is a world for young people, um, which is what's really cool about it is, is you know, um, there's a lot of really young people who are, who are figuring it out before um, the older people do. And I saw that same thing happen with Bitcoin. Um, it, was, it was amazing to watch um, writing Bitcoin billionaires, the, the type of people who exploded in that space were, were um, people who were, who were at their computer in the middle of the night reading these crazy boards, you know, these, these crazy boards that no one else was seeing and, and all happened to see the white paper at the same time and all happened to sort of jump in when, when everyone else ignored it. And, and I'm seeing the same thing in, in the NFT space now is that you've got people who are seeing it happen while the majority of the world doesn't know at all what I'm talking about. 
mean, I was at a wedding this weekend in New York and, and the, the older people wanted to know, but it was so hard to explain to. And then the younger people get it like that. Like, it's like, it's instant. Um, and I, I, I love the idea. Like I have an 80 year old dad and my dad's like, I don't get this. I don't know why anybody would want to buy this. And then my son is in the next room buying clothes for his Fortnite character, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's, there's really a, a big movement going on uh, in getting into the metaverse or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I'm sitting right in the middle of it because I can see both sides of it. So my goal is to onboard like my mother. <laughs> like that to me would be the ultimate success. And that's the moment I think when you're going to see ETH at 20,000 is when someone like my mom can buy ETH um, without you know, having to go through all the steps that one has to go through, yeah. that's when we're going to really hit the mainstream, but we're nowhere near that yet. Um, and so that's, that's what's fun about NFTs too, is it's, it's brand new. It's like the wild west and you're going to see projects explode out of it. Um, and other ones are going to crash and burn and it's, it's the fun of it. So you said that you're developing a platform for other writers. Can you sort of explain like what, what, how you're thinking about that and yeah. sort of what, what the pitch is to them? Yeah, really cool. So I, I've got, uh, we've got a couple ideas. And so our platform, you know, we have 3,000, 4,000 people who have bought into the project who hold our pieces. We're going to use them as a whitelist to break new authors and also for established authors. So I'm reaching out to some big name authors who also have the sort of audience that could take to this. I mean, there are certain authors you're going to look at and their audience is never going to understand NFTs or buy NFTs. But there are other authors who are writing, you know, the sort of thing where their audience probably would get this and figure it out fast. So I want to bring along some really well-known authors onto the onto our platform, um, and they will either launch a book or movie project similar to what I'm doing, or something that connects their real-world life with a digital life, um, and and launch some line of NFTs, um, and their community will come in and and grow our Discord to the point. The goal is to get to the point where we have enough people that you could literally launch a book via the 50,000 people in our Discord. Um, and that, that's the eventual goal. And when we reach that point, we want to break new authors. Um, so a new author coming out right now, what do they do? Um, they try to go on Amazon Kindle and self-publish it, or they try to go to a traditional publisher and get a publisher. I want another avenue to be to go to our platform and basically say, I'm going to sell this many NFTs uh, to support this book, and then you're all going to get this book. Um, and if that works, you could break new authors this way through an NFT platform. I think it would be amazing to watch happen. It would get rid of a lot of the barriers and it would be the, the Web3 thing. It would be the people deciding which book succeeds, not a publisher. Um, and Amazon Kindle is similar, but the difference is it's just a wasteland. You throw something out there. There's a million books out there. How do you know anybody's incentivized to push your book or to buy your book? This is all grassroots. So if this works, we could be breaking a number of authors on the platform. And that's what I see happening. Uh, we're also doing a project with the, with the Boston Globe. We're going to be doing their 150th anniversary NFT. Um, and so the Ben FT, anybody who owns a rocket is going to get whitelisted to the, the Globe thing. We actually haven't announced that yet. So maybe I'm giving you some secret oh, news here. But that, that's, you know, one of the greatest newspapers in the world, old world journalists. And, and it kind of fits with our, our people. I've been a Boston writer forever. And so the Boston Globe essentially came to me and said, uh, we want to do an NFT um, for our readers. And I said, We'll do it. Um, so we're going to do other things in writing, not just authors, um, journalists, people like that. I really see us as a competitor to Substack in a lot of ways. Um, the way a journalist hops on Substack and all these people you know, pay for them to do their journalism. I'd rather see an, a writer come to us and launch an NFT around their journalism. 
Um, and so I think that would be a cool model going forward. But it's a, it's a work in progress, you know, because we are it's new. As I said, this is brand new. We've we've shown that it works with, with what I'm doing. Um, and I want to see it happen with a big book. Um, and I think that would be really neat. I have two questions, but one is uh, I'm, people are going to be curious if they want to uh, go mint one of uh, your NFTs right now, how they can go do that. Buy one. Yeah, active, yeah. Actively minting. And the second part of that is, uh, did you say 50,000 in the Discord just because like, is that the number for a bestseller? Yeah. So what's really interesting is that the book world is so um, dramatically small compared to like a movie or a television show, like a successful book nowadays on launch, if you sell 50,000 copies of a book, that's a best-selling book. Um, while in the movie world, that number is the worst movie that came out, right? Um, or in the TV world, it doesn't even you know, get on CNN at 50,000 or maybe CNN, but nothing else. Um, you know, the numbers are small. Um, obviously, some books sell millions of copies. Um, you, know, you can have a Harry Potter selling 100 million copies, but a, a regular book that comes out that you might see on the bestseller list, 50 to 100,000 copies. So if you can get a community that that is 50 to 100,000 people, um, that's enough to move any, any publishing market. And I will tell you, if a book exploded out of a Discord with 50,000 people, every publisher in, in the country would be trying to buy the rights to that book. Um, so it's a really intriguing thing where you don't need that many people. But what you need are people who are um, inspired, who are, who are uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're excited. If you have 50,000 people who really want something, it's the most powerful thing in the world. Um, and that goes back to all of that goes back to crypto. That goes back to sort of what happened with the GameStop drama. You know, as we make that movie, the idea that a crowd of people on Reddit is as powerful as any hedge fund. Um, and the numbers don't have to be huge. It just have to be kind of angry. <laughs> there has to be emotion. And if there is, it, it really can move markets. So, yes, um, I, I don't think you need that many people to pull this off. I mean, the power of community, you're, you're you know, kind of talking about it right there. And, and that's a huge emphasis in the NFT space. And we're fortunate that we experience the positive effects of that, too. You know, you talked about the impact of like 50,000 sales, you know, of a book these days in, in that world, in that business. I'm curious, do you have any insight as to what the literary world thought of Gary Vaynerchuk and his right. best-selling book? Because that was, you know, obviously a brilliant model. I bought 240 of his books myself, <laughs> I right? I, I oh, have man. to think what it's do you so do them all. What are they doing? What are you doing with well, that 240 book? It's we his mattress him... now, actually. So he <laughs> sleeps on those books. Yeah. We, we gave them away to our community, which which was fantastic. You know, tax okay. write off. I got the NFTs. Those things mooned. It was just a win all around. It but win all around. I, I love know, Gary Vee. I you know I haven't talked to a lot of people in the publishing world about that. I think he's broken a lot of ground. You know, he's done some amazing things. Um, and he frankly doesn't need publishers, right? He doesn't need right. the publishing world at all. Um, he's he's his own powerhouse now. And um, so it's amazing what he's done. I think I think uh, I'm a fan of sort of, of of someone breaking ground like that and doing something interesting. I, I would guess traditional publishers are probably, um, you know, <laughs> what I'm doing is a little different um, is that yeah. I publish my books via traditional publishers. I want to see my book at Barnes and Nobles. Um, I want to walk into the movie theater and see a big, you know, one of my movies being made. Um, I want to bridge that gap into the NFT community. So I feel like I'm in addition to what the publishing houses do, not a competitor to what the publishing houses do. I want my publisher to be really excited that we have this community that is helping push the book. I mean, we did a really fun thing in our, in our community. We did for my last book was called The Midnight Ride and we did a free NFT drop. Anyone who bought just one copy, <laughs> it wasn't 200 copies, buy one copy and you got this free NFT that changed every day for 20 days and it had a puzzle in it. 
and people were, and it was a really hard puzzle. I mean, you had to use some serious math and the Discord together solved the puzzle and they won like an ETH, there were prizes along the way and signing copies for all these people who won prizes. That's the sort of fun thing and community thing that I think we're, you're going to see again and again, and we want to do over and over again with our community. That was kind of an addition to our, our original roadmap. Um, so I like that idea. I like the idea of this bridge between you get a book, but what I want to do is a puzzle. Like you get the book and within the pages of the book are hidden clues and via NFTs, you can solve those cues. And that's what we've been doing. Um, but listen, I think it's amazing what he's done. I think, I think what Jenkins and, and those guys are doing, I want to see more and more authors in the space um, because, you know, uh, publishing is a, is a sadly dying dinosaur in a lot of ways. And I think that it can be reinvigorated by, by using the technology and, and, and seeing what's going on here. And I really like uh, what you were talking about when you talked about the structure of the NFTs and the community. The thing that you absolutely nailed is you took everything that you have access to through your career and everything that you've built in your life, and you've opened that up to the people that buy into your vision, right? So I yeah. think this is the biggest thing when onboarding people from outside the NFT space and bringing them in, the idea isn't sell the NFT and then figure out how to create value. The idea is that you take the value that you can provide and then you monetize it with the NFT really just to raise funding and to give people a token, you know, just ownership of the entity that you're building. And I just love that you did that. And I'd be curious to know if other people from your two worlds, from the literary world or from the world of filmmaking, if they really understand that and, and who is interested in actually doing that themselves. Because when yeah. you think about any, any big name from really either world, even from the literary world, any big name can go ahead and drum up excitement by taking that approach and doing it properly. Yeah. So this is really interesting. So what I think is really important here is that when an author or a celebrity or an actor or someone that gets into this space, they've got to come from it with this really authentic idea that they want to build a community around what they do, not just try and sell an NFT to their community. Right. Um, and I think you're seeing projects that are bad happen again and again, where someone comes in and obviously just trying to get a cash grab out of people. I think what you're exactly right in saying is you need to spend the time thinking about what can I bring that gives value to people um, that makes them a part of what it is that I do um, we spent six months trying to come up with our plan here um, with the roadmap of how to do this, meeting with legal teams to make sure that we were doing it correctly so that the community will be able to ride with us all the way through this movie. Um, and that's the way I want to see people do this. And so I do talk to a lot of people in Hollywood, um, studio people, producers um, who want to figure out how do movies use this? Because um, movies love the grassroots thing. They love the idea that you can have an inspired crowd of people behind a movie project or behind an actor. Um, but what they really need to understand is that they have to be giving to this community, not just taking from the community. Um, and so those are the authors that I'm looking for, the authors who really like to sit on Discord chatting with people, who want to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction and maybe give writing lessons or maybe talk about the craft or maybe talk about their book or their movie or, or invite people to their book party. Um, so it's only going to be a certain type of actor and writer, I think, who's going to succeed in this space. Um, or a musician, you're gonna, you're gonna see who's authentic and who's not. Because I do think people are very savvy in the NFT world and they can tell when someone's just trying to, to sell them something. Um, and listen, there's a place for speculation. There's definitely a place for you wanna see value raised. You wanna see the thing that you buy suddenly go 10X. Um, but that value is gonna come from um, this interaction between the author or the celebrity and the community, not just you know, the, the dropping of something and seeing where it goes. 
So I'm wondering, uh, in terms of uh, something that you had mentioned, you used the word ownership, and then you were discussing how people have ownership in the screenplay. What does that practically mean? And yeah. let's say you sell a screenplay. What happens to me now that I own your NFTs? Yeah. So, I mean, just the ballpark. Let's say I sell the screenplay for a million dollars. It's split down the middle. A half a million dollars is converted uh, into ETH, and then it's dropped to everyone who owns a screenplay token. Some people own three tokens because of the rarity features in their original rocket, um, which was their first drop. Some people get one token. If people have multiple sets, they're getting multiple tokens. And it's split up that way. Um, and it's as simple as that. Um, and uh, and so, you know, and if you need more information, you should go to um, the Twitter or the Discord or the website because I'm, again, not the technical guy. What, and what's the website for that? And, um, so benmesricnft.com. And there's also a link tree on my Twitter at Ben Mesrick. So, um, and go to the Discord and my guys... Um, Drew and Bunchu can walk you through exactly how that's all going to happen. BenMetricNFT.com, yeah. Um, and the collection is um, the Meme Rocket collection was the first one. Um, that's on OpenSea, um, and the links will be there. Um, and then the Bitcoin Billies were our second collection, and they're all, it's really funny. It's an ode to Bitcoin, but on the Ethereum network. So there's little Bitcoin faces that are popping up as people's um, you know, little avatars all over the place now. Um, yeah, that was the Midnight is, Ride puzzle. Go down a little bit on that picture and you'll get to, yeah, those are the meme rockets. And that, good looking the NFTs. Available. Yeah, they're nice. beautiful. We have an amazing author, um, artist, sorry, who, who did these, uh, Man Over Mars, he's incredible. And so these rockets are all kind of Doge, Bitcoin-y. They were all about the GameStop drama because that was the book I just wrote, Little Fat Cats. And then the second drop um, were the Bitcoin Billies, which... Uh, I don't think they're on that site yet. But Bitcoin, Bitcoin and billionaires. Billi yeah. yeah. So that drop was out now. Um, that was uh, free to people who had the first drop. Um, so right now you can only buy those on OpenSea. You can't mint those. Um, and then the third drop will be mintable for everybody in about a month and a half. And that'll be the Vegas drop. But so, right now, the best way in is to buy one of the rockets. Um, the floor is very low, but there's only like 150, 200 pieces available. Um, and uh, and the, the rarer ones go for you know, closer to one uh, ETH, but the, the floor is very low, so you can get in to the project easily. Um, How do and you... then you've got to buy a Bitcoin Billy, though. Um, so that's the thing. You're going to have to buy one of each of those. So, so this is this may be the wrong place to ask this, but uh, how is this not a security? <laughs> yes, so we spent, yes, exactly. We spent a lot of times with legal teams to go over this to decide that. And it's really interesting, but the way we see it is that it's a work of art that you're taking part in. So you're getting a piece of a work of art. Um, you're helping develop this work of art. This work of art is going to you know, be sold and then you're gonna uh, get value out of that work of art. Uh, when you minted your thing, you had to opt in um, to a, a pretty um, you know, rare and unique service, opt in yeah. that, that you, I don't believe you've ever seen before in any of these pieces um, that really laid out what it is that you're getting into and why it's not a security. Um, but really it's, it's a work of art that we're hoping turns into a movie. Um, and, uh, and that's the way we're, you know, presenting it. Um, so, uh, it's all sort of buttoned up on the legal side and, uh, and, um, yeah, we spent a lot of time dealing with that. Um, and that was something we wanted to be very clear on before we started is, can you do this? And, uh, we, you can, um, and it's really just like, you know, uh, buying an, a piece of art. Uh, on the internet. Um, and a piece of art can go up in value. 
Um, and that's the central idea of this is you're buying a piece of a screenplay that will hopefully go up in value and you'll get a return on your investment. I mean, well, I'm very interested to see how this uh, pans out. If, if this, if this is definitively, I mean, you're definitely testing, testing yes. the limits with, well, this. I mean, the fun and thing about the NFT game is that it's brand new. Um, yeah. and so there isn't any regulation about it. Um, there aren't any rules at the moment. And the goal is when you set up a project like this is to be prepared for the eventual regulation, um, which one day will come to this you, world. And we believe we are prepared for the eventual regulation. Do you have insurance against that? Or like, how do you actually prepare against that? I, sorry if I'm getting into the nuances. No, I love this. I'm, I'm this welcome is, to go, the, go beyond these this. These are the great important bit. questions that I think are, are, are part, of, uh, part of doing this. I think that um, as long as people know what they're getting into when they buy into a project like this, um, when they're minting it, um, I think you're pretty much protected in that respect. Um, Interesting. There's no, there's no, um, there's no tricks or whatever it is. Everything is laid out completely. Um, so if you go to the Ben Mesrick NFT website and you read through it, um, it's all pretty well defined what you're getting. And when you opt into it, it's pretty well defined what it is that you're opting into. So essentially you're buying a piece of a screenplay of mine. It's not a fund. It's not, um, you know, a stock or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's a work of art that will hopefully go up in value. So the mint is the mint happening on OpenSea, or how is so, that going? So um, the mint is happening. Uh, it's a great question that I think you're gonna have to go to my Discord to get the answer up because now, now that's something that something Bunchu or Drew would have to answer. But I believe it is happening on OpenSea. Uh, if you owned one of my rockets when the snapshot was taken, which was in mm. March, your wallet was clued into that, and you are available to mint the Bitcoin Billy for another 30 days. So there's no rush on minting your Bitcoin Billy. Uh, 2,100 or so of them have minted of the 3,600 potential. So the 6,000 first rockets, there can be no more than I believe 3,600 of the Bitcoin Billies because that's the number of wallets there were. So that will be kind of a, um, what do you call it? A, it's a much smaller collection. You'll have to own one of all three. So in the end, there can only be 3,600 full collections. Um, and, uh, and so that's gonna, I think be interesting from a game theory point of view going forwards, if people really do want to own all three. Um, but the Bitcoin billions are free um, plus gas. So people are playing gas to mint them. Um, and people I mean, are waiting you know, for the right moment. If this format is indeed uh, legitimate, which I hope that it is, uh, and I hope that we get clarification around that, not, not from you, but from uh, yeah. for, you know, moving forward, it, th then this definitely will become the standard. There's no doubt in my mind. I believe so. Uh, I believe you're going to see authors and movies and all of it being done this way. Um, and I, I don't see there being an issue with it. Um, from the current situation right now, there does not appear to be any issues with it. Um, if new regulation comes up and they decide tomorrow you can't do this, mm -hmm. um, I would be surprised. Um, but I believe our project would still be fine just because of our opt-in situation mm -hmm. um, of how it was minted originally. So, um, yeah, I think we're in good shape. Absolutely. I just have a couple of selfish creative questions before we wrap with Ben or, or Nick. Did you have another question here? No, go for it. So just a couple ones. We don't have to spend too much time on this, but I, I have to ask you this kind of stuff. So you were yeah. saying that the book wasn't done when Sorkin already wanted to make the screenplay. Yes. So, and you said that you had done a ton of writing at that point, you know, books that weren't as popular as the stuff that came afterwards, right? So when you were writing that chapter by chapter and giving it to Aaron Sorkin, who's one of the yeah. guys when it comes yeah. to screenwriting, is that nerve wracking? Is that high you, pressure? or, or the amount of, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, interestingly enough, I've sold almost all of my projects as movies before I've written the book. 
So for the past wow. 20 some books, I sell the movie in a big studio deal. Then I'm writing the book while a screenwriter is working on it. But it did all start with that. Yeah, it was terrifying. You know, Aaron was in the next room. You're giving him chapters. There's no time to waste. You have to hand him things as you go. And, and he's an intense individual. I um, imagine so. Really scary guy. But it, we ended up becoming very good friends. And um, yeah, it was just one of those like awesome energy fueled wild moments i was more terrified of facebook to be honest than of Aaron, because <laughs> i was afraid zuckerberg was going to try and shut me down somehow because he really wasn't happy that i was doing it i used to get calls from their pr department which is so ludicrous like the fact that he gave a shit at all is so it just i i maybe it just speaks to his age well at that listen moment. that movie was so good for mark zuckerberg i remember he went on yeah. Saturday live jesse eisenberg was a better mark zuckerberg than zuckerberg right it, their ipo happened right after the movie and was explosive i made that guy so many they billions had of them dollars on stage at f8 at he one should of the send events. me a gift basket <laughs> him and edward should both send me a gift basket but he hated me i i showed up to a i think it was the today show and they had a quote uh zuckerberg had sent along a quote that was ben mesrick is the jackie collins of silicon valley <laughs> like it was like he God. wanted to be called yeah but you know what in the end it worked out for everybody. Um, it was a massive movie and incredible success. I have to say, though, I just currently, my Midnight Ride book, I sold it to Steven Spielberg. And so a much more intimidating thing sure. was that uh, they let me write the first draft for the screenplay. So I just handed a screenplay to Steven Spielberg. Good God. That to me is way more intimidating than oh, handing yeah. a book to Aaron Sorkin because, oh, yeah. you know, Spielberg is like, oh, my God, he's just going to laugh at me. But um, over my career, I've had a lot of projects where I've written very quickly. I wrote uh, Bringing Down the House, which was my biggest book, um, in eight weeks. Um, in, and I stayed in a different hotel room every night in Las Vegas. I wrote that book in this crazy explosion of just, you know, wildness. I've written, I wrote two books this year. Um, the GameStop book, which, again, I said we're shooting later this summer. We got a phenomenal director that we announced last week, uh, the guy who did Cruella, and um, he did uh, Finest Hours and I, Tanya. He's making our movie, so we're casting right now. I wrote that book while the GameStop drama was happening. I was literally <laughs> watching it happen as I wrote it, and then I wrote another book, Midnight Ride, this year as well. So I write quickly. Um, it's just, you know, the stories. You want to find the stories. Um, that people are going to really, you know, it's, jump on. Yeah, It's fascinating how that happens. I remember with articles, it was the same thing, where it's like the ones that I put the least amount of effort, but was just like feeling an energy for it, it would just like come out and you'd kill it. And the same thing happens with our the, the shows that we end up doing. It's those that are sort of just like, in the moment that energy is happening and you end up with this like creative output that was sure. just completely unanticipated. Yeah. Uh, I've never written a best-selling book that's been converted <laughs> into an Oscar-winning movie. But that's but, your next thing. You know, that's your I next still thing. feel inspired. So. Yeah, well, listen, it's, it, you never know where it's going to come from and you just got to go with it, man. <laughs> it's fun when it happens, but... Yeah. So you're facing legal pressure from Facebook writing the book. You're facing creative pressure from Aaron Sorkin. It then becomes so, and then it gets directed. All right. So real quick, a couple more creative uh, questions. Then I'll leave sure. you alone. So when you give Sorkin the writing, yeah, and then he turns it into the screenplay. Oh my god! Yeah. What's that experience like? Are you blown away by what makes it to his screenplay? So I, there, there's more to this story than that. So you have to remember the personalities involved here. There was Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher. Kevin right. Spacey was a producer on this movie and with all of his baggage, right? Yeah. Um, Scott Rudin, who, of course, was the ultimate bully in, in Hollywood. Um, and all on this set together. So it was the and Trent Reznor doing the music. You had this crazy set atmosphere where I was on set every day and it was a terrifying set to be on. 
There are fun movie sets. I would not call this a fun movie set. It was just really intense. And I got to know Andrew Garfield, who's wonderful, and Jesse Eisenberg, who's really weird and wonderful. And then Justin Timberlake with all that he comes to the table with. And then you had Facebook sitting there saying, we don't want this movie made, um, you know, trying to stop us the whole time it's getting made. Um, and it was just a big movie because it had a lot, as you know, you were on the journalism side of it. Um, uh, there was all these articles being written. It was just this big explosion. Um, it was intense. And then he hands in the screenplay and he wrote it in like three weeks after I handed him the book, basically. And it was unreal. The first 20 pages of that screenplay is dialogue. It's two people sitting at a bar. If you remember the movie opening. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, who can do that? How do you open a movie with two people sitting at a bar for 20 minutes, like just going back and forth with the music really loud? Like it was nuts. And I, I remember reading the screenplay also saying, this is brilliant. This is going to win yeah. the Oscar. You knew from the first moment you read that screenplay, this is going to be an Oscar. Um, it's just it's just crazy. And, and then you end up at the Oscars. You know, you're sitting there in the Oscars and Aaron Sorkin goes up. Um, it's just one of those moments in your life where you just can't even believe it's really happening. Because um, I'm just a kid from Boston. I'm not really, you know, I don't live in Hollywood. I don't go, go there except for to sell my projects. So it was intense. Wild yeah. stuff. I mean, my last question is uh, just who's going to play me and Nick in the NFT movie? <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, we'll figure that out. But uh, that's the fun part about doing this project is I really am going to be involving a lot of the people that we all know. I mean, I'm really talking, I'm, you know, to a lot of different people. And my goal going forward is we're going to start interviewing um, just everyone. I want to get the Board Ape story in there. I want to get, you know, going back to um, the Beeple story and all of that. And I want to talk about the big, I want to get everything that we would all recognize to twist its way through the story. Um, so it's going to be really fun. We're going to see a lot of interesting casting. Um, it's going to be neat. So yeah. I actually have one last question about this, which is uh, in comparison to the Facebook movie, that was at a moment when uh, Facebook had become a cultural phenomenon at that moment in time when it came out into the uh, movie Well, I'll theater. put it the other way around, to be honest with you. The movie made Facebook into a cultural phenomenon. Facebook was, when I wrote the book in 2007, Facebook had 500 million users. It, there was MySpace, there was Friendster. Um, the reason Fincher made the movie that quickly is he had a meeting with us and he said, we have to make it right now because who knows if Facebook will be around in a year. It was literally mm. not a phenomenon. Then the book came out, the book was huge, and then the movie changed the game and Facebook became the most well-known thing in the world. I would say the movie was the reason for Facebook becoming a cultural I mean, there's a million companies out there, but why Facebook? And right. I think the movie had a lot to do with it. And so writing a movie about the NFT space, I, I talk to the Winklevoss twins about this all the time, too, with Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin obviously is mainstream and everyone knows Bitcoin, but just wait so, till so, Bitcoin Billionaires so, movie comes out. To, it's going to shift the landscape on what crypto and Bitcoin is. I really believe movies have that power. So they tell the story to the masses. Tell the story to the world, but they, re, they change the story also in some ways. They create a mythology. Our society and our world works on myths. You know, we're still tribal. We're still yeah. animals. And we, we take a myth and it becomes much bigger than the thing itself. And I think the Facebook movie, you know, I think it was important. And I do think we can do that with NFTs. I think we can do an NFT movie, which makes my 80-year-old dad 
understand why this is going to change the world. Um, and that's, that's the goal when I write something like this. So 2007 in January, they had 14 million users. By uh, 2012, they had 1 billion was basically yeah. what happened. So you had, I, I, when I started in May blogging in 2007, I think they were directionally about to hit 50 million. So that was from 12 to 50 at that. Yeah. I mean, at, you at were that, real early. You were at, super early. Um, and you but, saw it too, right? You saw something happening here. But here's here's the question I have because of that, which is saying like, even at that moment in time, yeah, it, look, it was a cultural phenomenon within college students, basically. Right. And then you had, uh, it, it, it expanded to different levels at that point. But where we're at with NFTs today is half a million people. Like, yeah. call it a million. Let's say that the wallets have been spread out over a period of time. Call it even 2 million users at that point in time. But with Facebook... But in 2007, they're already at like, they're seven times the yeah. size oh, of yeah. where we're at right this now. This is so, tiny. So, this is tiny. So, so I'm trying to figure out like, how do you, how, like, how do you navigate that in, in, in this sort of environment? Because at least there was brand recognition at that moment in time right. by the time that the, the movie came out. And then you combine it with Justin Timberlake, you combine it with Trent Reznor, you combine it with all these different things that does help serve as yeah. uh, a way of uh, bringing it into mass consumer sort yeah. of uh, viewpoint of it. But but if you have a movie today about NFTs, will anybody give a shit? Well, you can't do, see, here's what you can't do. This is, this is where I think uh, what we're trying to do is a little different. You can't just do a documentary on Netflix. You can't. Mm -hmm. You do that, it's going to get lost. No one's going to give a damn. You can't just do, you know, an episode of something or you, you've got to do that that feature with the darkness and the comedy and it's got to be uh like uh, here's going to be an example I'm, uh, we should talk again in six months uh, um, sure. my gamestop movie okay what happened with gamestop was an, an incredible moment um and there's been a couple documentaries there's been some crap on netflix or whatever or on abc but our movie is going to be an mgm major studio movie with major stars about that moment when the apes you know took on wall street and I'm telling you, I believe that will be a cultural touchstone moment um, of something that happened. And I think with the NFT movie, you need to do the same thing. It's got to be this darkly comic script that says something much bigger than what, you know, someone bought an NFT, right? Or that Bored Apes or this or that. There's got to be, you have to capture what's really going on here, which is this, this moment when we're going from the real world to the digital world. The metaverse. You've got to capture all of what we're seeing happening right now. The, the, the pandemic, right? This wouldn't have happened without the pandemic this quickly. It would have been 10 years to what's yeah. happened in one year. Um, and if you can capture that, I think you can turn something into a worldwide phenomenon. Um, and you have to remember, every brand in the world is poised to do this right now. Nike, Reebok, they all want to do NFTs, right? They're asking for permission from the world to suddenly do this because it's creating value out of nothing. It's creating value out of the community that they've already built. So every company in the world, Disney, they want to do NFTs and they need to be given the permission to do NFTs. And that's what they don't have yet. And if you could create the right artistic project, I think you could give permission to every brand in the world to dive into the NFT space. That's what I'm trying to do. And I understand that's ambitious and maybe I'll fail and someone else will do it. Like Michael Lewis, right? Who always seems to do the things that I can't do. Um, but somebody will do the story that will change this. And that's what I think it's going to take. And listen, I think it's happening with Bitcoin and crypto as well. 
Um, but I think the NFT thing in some ways is bigger. I really do because it's, it's the actual ability to own something digital. And that's more than what a coin is, it's, you know, it's it, bigger than Facebook. It's bigger than most I industries basically at this point. But I, I think that most people still don't recognize it. And no, unfortunately this phase that we're in, which is yeah. the collectible trading money phase of, uh, of like us having rapid growth that, I mean, frankly, we've we've been benefiting from ourselves on this show, the people who are involved with this. But I think um, we're we're so early in this phase that like the, 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 the waves of adoption are only just beginning in this. And it's I've never seen anything like I've never felt so early, so much energy yet uh, still be so small. And so that's, small. Like, like, that's what's cool kinda. about it. Look, we're, we're like. I don't know if you read Bitcoin, but we're Charlie Schramm in his basement, you know, seeing the mm-hmm. white paper. That's where this is right now. Everyone thinks that that NFTs are, are far along in the game. This is so early. It's mm-hmm. like there's uh, like you said, 100,000, 500,000 people at most who even know what an NFT is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tiny number. And so I think there's going to be a lot of explosion going over the next one or two years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ben, we really appreciate having you on the show in six months. If you want to check in where this yeah. is at, I mean, we obviously want to check out the movie when this comes out, the screenplay and everything. Uh, and hopefully your platform as well uh, continues to grow. But we really appreciate having you on the show. I yeah. love doing it, man. And I'm happy to talk again soon. And uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing some of your fans on our on our Discord and come, come in and say hi. And I'll be there. <laughs> so yeah, be I saw cool. some some sales were coming in in the uh, uh, chat nice here. Yeah, I just more and more people involved. It'll be just more and more fun for everybody. It's a happy place. So if people will be there. If you're not subscribed, smash the subscribe button, like the like. And if you're listening on the podcast, I guess do the exact same thing. I don't know what app you're Whatever on. Whatever you have to just, do, just, just click, click on the button. Click, click the damn button. Okay? <laughs> click everything, right? Click. Yeah, I, I feel bad for whatever screenwriter thinks they're writing an NFT screenplay because they're going to get wrecked by Ben. It's like a gorilla in a phone <laughs> booth. In there's that room world. for everybody. There's room for everybody. I'm sure uh, there'll be a wonderful documentary on Netflix next week. <laughs> and there were two documentaries about Fire Festival, and both those did well. So you can definitely <laughs> operate in a world where there's multiple every multiple people win (laughs) ben skipped that one he let other people eat on that right you know i i definitely got pitched it i got pitched it by a lot of people and i was like i don't think i can do this one it's a great story but i don't think i can you you guys make this one i'm good (laughs) awesome guys thanks thanks so much ben thanks again see everyone yeah